Okay, I'm ready. Hey, Jordan. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> uh, why don't cows ever have money? I don't know. Why don't cows ever have money? <sighs> because they keep getting milked dry. Hey, welcome to the Sacred Cow welcome Podcast. Sacred Cow Podcast. <laughs> We're talking about death and murder this week. Yeah, uh, and other stuff. It's probably going to be my death, as you could hear. Uh, I'm kind of getting over COVID a little bit still. So Joe is dying. Yes. Yeah. Imagine having COVID in 2023. Are oh, we yeah. going to get when demonetized you... from not getting demonet from getting? Like, are we from getting COVID? Yeah. Does COVID demonetize <laughs> you? <laughs> well, talking about it, is that is that a problem? I don't think so. I think that's a problem on I YouTube. Hope not. Okay, whatever. We're not monetized anyway. Who yeah. cares? Who cares? You cut it out. Fix it in post. Mm-hmm. I'm just an editing jockey to you. <laughs> producer. <laughs> Executive producer of the Sacred Cow podcast. <laughs> it's very prestigious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't... Hey, uh, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, we're trying a new uh, camera angle this week. I realized that getting our side profiles is uh, a little weird. Honestly, so now you get to. This is what we look like, dear viewer, mom. <laughs> our moms already know what we look like, dude. The but. mom joke, like people are gonna get so sick of the mom joke. Yeah, <laughs> just being like every time we just it's address my only the joke. audience. It's my one joke. We gotta have like a fun name for the dear viewers. The yeah, or like, viewer singular. The, the one guy who watches this, your mom. Excuse you, sir. <laughs> I didn't. My mean mom, your mom is not is, a man. Yeah, I didn't mean your mom was a man. Um. Yeah. Uh, we should. We should come up with a name. Yeah. <laughs> Cows. <laughs> all the I'm not, cow, All the I'm, calves. I'm. Re- I refuse to call our viewers cows. <laughs> our viewers. Our listeners. Our. Our peeps. Yeah. The people. The people. Um. Let's uh let's get into it last the last two podcasts were a little long-winded i haven't edited them completely yet but i'm sure they're both over an hour how do you know they're long-winded i know they're long-winded because i have like an hour and a half of recording yeah but you're gonna cut it cut it down yeah but not that not i'm not cutting out like 30 minutes (laughs) jordan just cut it (laughs) just cut it all cut it down pretty soon our podcast (laughs) is gonna be five minutes long (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah, just going to be, be the good. cow joke in the beginning. People are really obsessed with short form content now. And I think that that's a sin. Yeah. Truly. Really. That's sinful. Well, we talked yesterday tape. because we were we were taking a car ride together as we sometimes do when we're not podcasting. Practically a married couple. Practically. Um, and that is not an endorsement of homosexuality, by the way. <laughs> we're just very good friends mom we um, adhere to the church's position <laughs> to amen the orthodox the historically uh remembered orthodox position yeah. um oh my gosh you derailed me we were t- okay we, were in, we were in the car and we were i was talking about how um oh my gosh dude you killed it this is your fault i can't remember what i was gonna talk we were about. in the car and you were talking about how um, you were sick of being nice, so you're just oh gonna yeah, lean that's in right. Completely. I was just gonna like I'm tired of apologizing for things yeah. that we talk about and having beliefs on things. I'm just gonna try to offend everybody instead of like trying to not offend everybody. Completely lean into being a heel. Yeah, exactly. It's the heel turn. Mm-hmm. To this point, I've been nice. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for bad boy. Get Joe. ready for bad boy, Joe. <laughs> um, the cow jokes 2.0. It's really good that we're talking about death and murder this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. After talking about how you're, I didn't think you're about that. <laughs> a bad boy now. Um, Edgy, please. Before we get into that, uh, I would like to... I'm, I am uh, editing the podcast so slowly. So just the other day, I finished editing episode three. Uh, and I need to correct what I said because I said something egregiously wrong. And I don't want to rep- misrepresent anybody's position. Uh, so I was talking about J.P. Moreland and his position on the soul. And I essentially said that uh, he would say that the soul and spirit are two different things. He would not say that. Uh, that was incorrect of me. That is not his position or his belief. He would say that the spirit is an aspect or a function of the soul. 
So interesting. I just had to Unpack correct myself me. so really quick. So he would say that the spirit is like the the portion or the part of the soul that interacts with God and heavenly beings. Oh. And it's like your your like you have a spiritual portion to your being and that is what allows cool. you to interact with God. Do so do animals ha- have spirits? Are you asking me or are you asking Moreland? Well, Moreland's not <laughs> sitting right next to me, is he? Uh I don't know. I would I would Say maybe to a lesser degree. Do we see that in scripture at all? You're going back to the see. We're gonna get we're <laughs> gonna get off track. I know the answer to this question. <clears throat> I already like it already popped in my mind because I have the Bible memorized. Well, we do see God interact with animals. Do so you have the Bible memorized? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Uh, we're talking about killing today. Joe. You're not even gonna answer my question. No, we're we're done with that. Topic. Come on, I'm moving on. Okay, fine. I'm over it. Jordan's animals over don't it, so go we to heaven. I'm I'm sick of it. Amen. I'm coming out on the other side. <laughs> That's a joke. This is all. A, this is all a joke. Yeah. Okay. Let's so talk about killing. Yeah. Let's talk about it. And murder, which is such a such a fun topic. Yeah, I feel. Joe, like... have you ever murdered anyone? <laughs> have you? <laughs> I have never murdered. Anybody. Have you ever killed anyone? I have never killed. Well, what do you mean by anyone? <laughs> have you ever killed a human being i have never killed a human being no. okay <laughs> you're back on the animal thing huh? yeah well i'm trying to constantly bring it back there because i <laughs> you're fascinated i am fascinated i'm intrigued i've never mm-hmm. ever encountered anybody are arguing that animals do have souls so mm. that's interesting to me um i have never killed another human being no uh me i have been hunting before so in theory if you mean like I have potentially killed something with a soul. Yeah. Because I've been hunting. How does that make you feel? Not different. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I completely do not care. Um, I don't think I've ever killed anyone as far as I know. So Sweet. Yeah. Cool. That bodes well for our future relationship. And our souls. And our souls. Um, I've definitely murdered people in my heart. Who hasn't? Yeah, as the, uh, Jesus right? would point out pretty clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's not interesting. That. That's not actually what we're talking about today. Yeah. Although I guess we could get there at some point if we wanted to. Do you have anything to add on that? To murdering somebody in your heart? Yeah. Like don't, hating someone? Don't do it. Have you? So I've heard certain people who are like, yeah, if you, if you hate somebody, you've murdered them. And then I've also heard past, and I'm not commenting either way on this i'm just i'm just throwing this out there i've also heard pastors who say like no it's specific it's like a specific hate it's like if you want someone to die then you've murdered them yeah but just um, saying like oh i hate that person that's not the not the same thing what are your thoughts on that uh without looking at the passage in front of me Mm -hmm. which i could probably very easily go to i don't think so you don't have the bible memorized i don't have the but i do know it's in matthew five or six i like that we have two jokes that's where the sermon on the mount is um i i right off the top of my head i don't think that what so you should know this about me i'm a huge communicative intent person Mm mm-hmm Um, so when I read scripture and this is a good hermeneutic for those of you who want to study the Bible more, um, we have to always be asking ourselves as we're reading scripture, like, what did the author mean? Like when they wrote this down, what was the main point that they're, that they're trying to communicate? Um, so you ask yourself, what did Jesus mean when he said this? And what does the author mean by putting it here? Like, cause there's a reason for that. Um, and right off the top of my head, I don't think that what Jesus and the author are trying to do is say that there's a specific type of hate that when you want somebody to die, I think having studied fairly recently, the sermon on the Mount, I think what, what Jesus is trying to say is just super simple and straightforward. Like when you harbor anger and hatred in your heart towards another person, like it's not in terms of sin, like different than murdering somebody, meaning that yeah. like it's sufficient to 
make you guilty of that one way or the other. I don't think that he's trying to say like there's a specific type of because in my mind what Jesus is trying to do is like paint that everybody would like whether you actively do these things or not are still is still contaminated by sin. So to say that there's a specific hate that Jesus is referring to when he says that harboring hate is just the same as killing somebody in your heart like makes it so that it's something that can be avoidable. So like I've never like wanted to kill another human being before. So if by that metric, if that's what Jesus is talking about, then I'm good. Like I've never, I've never committed that sin before. Um, and I just don't really think that's what he's trying to. Yeah. To I think he's more commenting on the sin is internal as well as external. It's not just what you do, but it's right. It's who you are in your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd agree. Which is just like, you know, the one-two punch of Jesus, right? Setting it up that it's like, you can do all these things and outwardly, like, present a certain way and present as good, but there's still something in your heart that needs fixing. Right. Um, and, you know, as Orthodox Christians, we say that thing is you need Christ. You need mm-hmm. the gospel. You need a new heart, at, which would, you know, come from Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Like, we need a new heart, yeah. a heart not made of stone. Um, yeah. And Christ gives that to us. I think we, um, you've said Orthodox a couple of times, and I think we've already clarified this, but I'm just going to be safe and clarify it again. When we use Orthodox, we are not referring to the Eastern Orthodox Church. We are referring to correct historic Christian belief. Right. So if we are referring to the Eastern Orthodox Church, we will be very clear yeah. uh, in communicating that. Yeah, it was just to sort of define it to Ortho and doxy means literally right teaching right teaching that is right teaching that it is agreed upon teaching that has been you know considered since the inception of the church to be like this is what we believe this is what like our core tenets and beliefs are um and that's when anything that's not orthodoxy has that is still a christian belief we would consider like a secondary issue and those are things that you can like disagree on Mm -hmm. um but heterodoxy yeah Mm -hmm. yeah look at you i know some things philosophy boy yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh jordan knows a single theological term (laughs) watch out everybody let's talk about killing so hating somebody in your heart is murdering them according to jesus our lord and savior amen Um, praise up why is that so bad i think we should talk about murder and why murder is bad that's a good idea um so for me in my mind obviously uh in genesis which is you know the foundation for the entirety of scripture um murdering somebody is wrong because everybody's created in god's image right and so you know we could go to the first murder for cain and abel and say that is egregious because Um, it's gotten to the point where mankind now kills each other and they kill people who are created directly in God's image. Um, So God's created humanity with a specific purpose and reason in mind. um, And he's created them for something special for this unique relationship. And essentially killing another human being is almost like an attack on God in that way, because you're killing something and you're depriving something of life that God has created and called good. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, murder bad. Yeah. And I think it, um, I think also just going again, going back to the, the animal conversation, like if God breathes life into something or someone, an individual and forms that individual and knows that individual, like God has, some sort of relationship uh, with every human on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And so life is it like taking a life is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something that like we should, and we'll get into this a little bit. I come on, I'm coming down on the side of like, I think you are justified in killing in certain very specific scenarios. Um, but it's definitely not something that you should rejoice in doing and it's not something to take lightly and you have to understand that like snuffing out somebody who is made in the image of God is a big deal. So 
Right. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit of scripture real quick. I know that we're coming out on the hot controversial side that murdering is wrong. And I know that that's a hot take. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, post flood, um, since you brought up the animals thing, um, God floods the earth, right. And wipes out humankind because of humankind's wickedness, which is predominantly because humankind is murderous. Um, and that's sort of like the escalation that we see happen before we get to, to Noah's time. But he makes his covenant with Noah post flood. Um, and he says something very specific. Uh, he says in Genesis 9, verse 3, he says, Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckon reckoning for the life of man. And then in 6 is, you know, what I was getting at before when he says, Whoever sheds the blood of man by man his he by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. So, you know, a little bit of a distinction there. Uh, animals. Okay. You can eat them. Um, but don't kill humans. Like that's not cool. And don't eat them as well. Like, so there's something specifically different about humans and animals, whether or not you think that animals have souls or not, or, or, or whatever, that's fine. It, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but it lands with, there's something different about man. You don't kill them. You don't eat them. And the reasoning given is because man's created in God's own image. Man is special. You could say set apart holy mm -hmm. in a specific, for a specific purpose. Um, so yeah, murder bad, um, murder bad, murder bad. And I think that's like important setting the tone because we've had that animal conversation to kind of say like, we're not talking about like, we're not saying that if you kill, uh, a creature, you're murdering mm -hmm. uh, the creature. Yeah. Okay. So we did that. Uh, uh, what's the difference, Jordan, between killing and murder? Uh, I would love for you to talk about that since you're the Hebrew scholar, but <laughs> I will say, uh, I'll just, from my understanding, murder is unlawfully or unjustifiably taking a life so um as far as i know the term for the word for murder used in the ten commandments is very specific and it does not apply to all killing everywhere all the time uh and you can comment on that if i'm wildly wrong there but uh, my understanding is that yeah murder is is taking a life without a good reason because god outlines in uh, the Torah, certain conditions under which not only can you take a life, but certain conditions where you are obligated to take a life or a community is obligated to, to yeah. put somebody to yeah, death. Yeah, commanded to put somebody to death. Yeah. So there's a slight difference. Um, I guess we can... I am not willing to take a super... Uh, I guess I don't know enough about the scriptural word, the scriptural language and the implication specifically to take a hard stance on this ultra specific scenario is murder. This ultra specific scenario is not murder. Mm -hmm. Like I know the, I know the Bible differentiates between um, killing somebody intentionally and killing somebody accidentally. Yeah. So murder and manslaughter are two different things. It's almost as though. Our laws are based on something. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I would love to hear your thoughts uh, since you actually read uh, Hebrew. I do my best sometimes. Uh, I do. I am in dire need of a brush up on Hebrew. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think learning a second language, especially one that's, you know, out of use <laughs> is, uh, important to stay up to date with, but yeah, I mean, you're right for my understanding and I'm sure there's somebody out there who knows Hebrew better than me that will correct me if they, if they hear that I'm wrong. Um, but the word that's used in the 10 commandments for traditionally translated, thou shall not kill, um, or in modern translations, I think correctly translated as thou shall not murder is the word Ratzach. You can and correct I, my pronunciation 
of that word uh, if you can speak Hebrew. So I apologize if I butchered it. But that word uh, exclusively, from my understanding, refers to taking somebody's life uh, intentionally, except for in a select few circumstances where it's talked about um, uh, manslaughter, essentially. Uh, but when it's used in the specific form in the Ten Commandments, it means to intentionally kill somebody, to murder or to put somebody to death. Um, so there's an element of intentionality there. There are other Hebrew words for death or to kill. There's the Hebrew word harag, which can mean either, which is not used here. Uh, and then there's the Hebrew noun mavet, which makes means death, or you can use it in a verbal form to mean to make dead something, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but the word that's specifically used in the Ten Commandments, it all but exclusively means to be to kill somebody, to murder somebody, to be a killer mm -hmm. um, intentionally. Yeah. Um, but there are, I mean, like we were talking about the Old Testament and in the law, you're right. Like there are times when, you know, we see that people are commanded to be put to death because of the things that they're doing are so egregious in the community that God has, you know, set apart and given them. Mm -hmm. um, but God does make provisions, right, for, you know, accidental death, and things like that. So, you know, um, but intentionally taking somebody's life in the law means you're done. Mm -hmm. Like you don't get to, if you accidentally kill somebody, there's ways for you to, to pay that, to restore that. Mm -hmm. Essentially. I think we've talked about restorative justice, at least in passing at some mm -hmm. point, but like there's ways for you to restore that. But if you intentionally take somebody's life, there's, there's no coming back from that. Like your consequence for that is you've taken somebody's life. And just like in Genesis nine, like your life is now required from you yeah, because you've deprived somebody who is created in God's image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a really, um, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about that, that I'm sure we will not have time to explore every nuance and detail of tonight. Um, I know the, so uh, this just in Jordan Mabe doesn't like nuance. <laughs> You've heard it here first folks. Uh, so evangelicals typically, yes. Talk more about the evangelicals. Typically <laughs> most evangelicals are, um, at least open to the idea of the death penalty. And really, you think um, that's typical? I think I would say the majority uh, or you know you've met most evangelicals i would yeah the general consensus from how we vote is we're question. probably okay with how we vote <laughs> with uh <laughs> with the death penalty jordan do you consider yourself an evangelical e the difficulty with <laughs> ascribing labels to yourself is it's never going to be 100 percent accurate and there's always going to be some nuance there so i would i just i consider myself an evangelical as long as it, and there are a couple of uh, things there are a couple of things i would describe myself as as long as i can explain what that means <laughs> as long as i get to set the terms yeah of what yeah, yeah. we're talking about to just like because there's a lot of um, we can, this is actually a good podcast topic. I know we, we do this every week, scratch off your bingo card. Um, but I can, I consider myself an inclusivist and that term means so many different things to so many different people that if you just like go up on the street to an, a, you know, a typical like conservative evangelical and you go, I'm an inclusivist, they go, oh, so you're a universalist. So you think everybody's getting into heaven. So you think you don't need Jesus to be saved. And I'm like, no, that's not that's not what any of that means. So like there are certain terms and labels that you have to be able to define accurately uh, before I'm willing to to put that label on myself. And evangelical is one of them. There's just like a lot of junk tied up with uh, with being an evangelical, especially lately with like the whole. Um, the Trump election and like ever since 2016 evangelical has become a very charged and political term which is crazy to me so yeah I would well that's just because they don't know what it actually means yeah it's just evangelical is swapped for Christian in the United States yeah mm -hmm. I think that that's wrong yeah so so define, I would say, define yes, for I would, me what an evangelical, an evangelical is evangelical. as you define it 
I would say uh, evangelical is largely a uh, Protestant, some a Christian who hails from the Protestant tradition who has a select focus on evangelism. So I define it pretty broadly. I Just think like a Protestant, a who select focus thinks, on evangelism and a select focus on the authority and primacy of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I think is how yeah. I would define it. Yeah. And I think that's fair, which is a super broad description, which makes me wonder why we insist on having all these different words and meanings and terms that like boil down to like a really simple You're thing. You're a philosopher. Yeah. I thought, did you, Jordan just said, Sorry. Do, do you want to, Jordan just said that he trail. hates terms and categories for things and you're a philosopher. <laughs> this is a rabbit trail. Do you want to know my dare least, you? you want to know my least favorite thing about philosophy, Joe? Okay. I hate when I will learn about something, a term, and I will learn the exact definition of that term and how it's used by a specific author. And then some other philosopher will come along like 50 or hundred years later and make up a new word or term <laughs> that means the exact same thing as the word that already existed. Dang. Yeah, that's my least favorite Is thing. Is that I like when that. you find a new uh, species of like fish? Yeah, and you just name it the same thing. You just name it after yourself. Like, and then everything has the has a different name but means the exact same thing. And you're like, what? what is... What are we doing here, fellas? Can you read before you come up with a new name for something? Anyway, that's Dude, neither you don't understand, there. though. Like, for the vast majority of human history, we didn't have access to the sum of human knowledge. Uh, so your philosophers that exist, like, a hundred years apart from each other, you know, might not have access to the same content of people that existed, like... yeah. I just want to rant about because it annoys me. Joe. I just want you to it accept my grievances the way it is without criticism. Yeah, I don't want solutions. <laughs> I'm not even providing you solutions. I'm just explaining <laughs> why it happens to you. I'm mansplaining why it happens to you. So that's how I I would say an evangelical. And I would say to get back to our original topic, uh, I would say I and I've I, I guess you're challenging me on this. I have no data to back this up. This is completely anecd- anecdotal. I feel like the majority of evangelicals are probably at least sympathetic to the death penalty, which is not the case in all of Christianity. Uh, For example, Catholics are very, very strongly anti-death penalty in pretty much all cases and scenarios. Really? Yeah. Cool. So. Uh, I, that's not really been my experience with Catholics or evangelicals. Evangelicals. I don't have a, I mean, yeah, evangelicals. Mm-hmm. I've more run into uh, people who would be against it mm. just on principle. Maybe that's because like I went to school with people who are like considerably younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that most people that I've come in contact with that I would consider evangelicals, whether they would consider themselves that mm-hmm. or not, like would be against it. Yeah. Which was incidentally not how I was raised. Uh, you know, I've gone through periods and phases in my life of being like okay with it to a certain degree and less okay with it. Because, you know, you 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 know everything when you're in high school. Right. Uh, so you kind of change your beliefs a lot as you grow and as you accumulate more knowledge from like different places. Mm-hmm. Um, at this stage in my life, yes, I'm... I'm pro-death penalty. I'm not like... <laughs> So here's the thing, and we can talk about this as a good segue, like the death penalty in scripture exists Mm -hmm. and the death penalty specifically ordained by God exists. Now, I'm not suggesting that in the Old Testament, like we, we take the Old Testament law and we apply it wholesale Mm -hmm. because I think there's some theological and hermeneutical, hermeneutical, is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hermeneutical work that needs to be done. Um, before we apply like some legwork before Mm -hmm. we apply old testament stuff Mm -hmm. but generally speaking uh god commands the death penalty under select circumstances um and in his community in his set apart community he commands that when these things are done that person does not deserve to live their life anymore yeah um so you have to 
if you're going to be against the death penalty, you have to come up with a rationalization for why God says that's okay. Yeah. Um, or not even that he says it's okay, that he commands it. Mm-hmm. Like this person, if this person takes somebody's life, you require their life from them. Um, so, you know, some, and that, I mean, that carries over a little bit into the New Testament to some degree when we get to Romans 13 and we mm-hmm. learn about like authorities that we're called to respect outside of the church, outside of like God's community. Um, and it, we're told that the authority were to, you know, honor and respect authorities because they don't bear the sword in vain. Right. right. So in some sense, you have to decide what you're going to do with those those passages that suggest that it's okay in in circum, certain circumstances for you to take another person's life who's done something so egregious that and so sinful and wrong and corrupting that they've basically just forfeited their life. Yeah. And um, as a point of explanation, in Scripture, whenever you see the phrase uh, like uh, that a nation wields the sword or that... Um, you know, there's that uh, famous verse in Matthew that those who live by the sword should die by the sword. Anything like that, whenever whenever that terminology is used and it's talking about like a nation or a group of people or something wielding a sword or dying by the sword, that is referring to uh, the death penalty and like death for specifically crimes. Pretty much, as far as I know, 100% of the time. So... I can't confirm or deny that because that's the first time I've ever heard that, but it makes sense to me yeah. right now from the hip. So Revelation, um, one of the verses that I thought of uh, is Revelation 13, uh, 10. And it specifically says, uh, if anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, they will be killed. Um, and that's... Which is basically just a retreading of Genesis 9. Right, yeah, that's pretty much saying like if you murder people, you should be killed <laughs> and like taken out of society for the betterment of society. So that's just society. what that language generally refers to. I might be wrong. It might not be like a hundred percent of the time. I don't have the Bible memorized, uh, but generally, that's that's kind of what it's referring to. So. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. We like to cover our butts by saying fancy words such as generally. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know anything. In my experience, <laughs> in most places, for most people, in most yeah. times. You like that? The the philosopher coming out with a little bit of Bible knowledge for you? Yeah, man. That That's good Bible. Good. Are you proud of me? Dude, I didn't think of that passage in Revelation. So, yes, I am proud of you. Mm-hmm. You can just like take your quadrilateral... Yeah. And you can fit scripture in. That that makes me happy. Joe. Sir. Hypothetical here. Okay. What makes us think that the Old Testament law that allowed governments to kill people under specific circumstances is still in effect under the New Covenant? What makes us think? Yeah. What do you mean? So there are certain Old Testament laws that we are no longer under such as like kosher food. Well, you're not under law, period. Right. Because of the new covenant. Right. You're under grace. So how do we differentiate between those laws that we think still in some way apply to us today and those laws that were for the people of Israel for a specific time right. and a specific so purpose? So I want to be super careful. That's a really good question. Are you set? We didn't talk about this, by the way. So Jordan is literally either A, setting me up because he wants me to say something or B just coming off this from the hip because he actually wants to hear my perspective on it. Both. (laughs) It's a setup. (laughs) So, uh, this is going to be a long answer just so you know. So, uh, because my, I think about things very holistically, theologically, scripturally. So there's a lot of things in my noetic web that influence the way you're welcome. See, Thank I you. can philosophize. Yep. Jordan can do Bible <laughs> and Joe can philosophize. Uh, that contribute to my understanding of this. So um, traditionally, um, and when I say traditionally, I mean like in the past like 50, 60 years or so, it's pretty common to talk about the Old Testament law and to sort of chop it up into moral, civil, and ceremonial. 
And so what we would normally say, what people would normally say is, well, we don't live in the same society. So civil laws are pretty good, but we want to be a little bit careful with how we apply those. Ceremonial laws don't apply, apply anymore because of Jesus and moral laws apply to us because they're good moral codes to follow. Um, the problem with doing that, and I might get in trouble, so I apologize if this is a sacred cow for you, is that the Bible doesn't see that like format to understand the law. Like it doesn't, it's hard to look at it and chop it up that way because some laws are obviously ceremonial and moral or some laws are obviously like civil and moral or civil and ceremonial. So it's applying something to scripture and applying a structure to scripture that doesn't exist within it. Um, and I don't think that that's really cool. <laughs> mm. I would rather not do that. I want to come to scripture and let scripture explain itself. So I would advocate very strongly for um, sort of a wisdom literature approach to the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is I think that the entirety of the Old Testament is wisdom. It's wisdom given by God for not just, you know, the Jews or for the Hebrew people. It's for his church as well. Um, so I would want to say it's principalized wisdom literature, meaning that when you come to the entirety of the Old Testament law, you're looking for what we would call hermeneutically a transferable principle. You're looking for the reasoning or the idea behind why God would give us that law to begin with. And so you're taking that principle and you're looking and you're seeing what that meant to the original audience. And then you're looking at the differences between them and you. And then you're going to you and you're saying, how do I apply this principle, not the law, but the principle behind the law in my current context. And so in that way, I would say that the entirety of the Old Testament law is applicable to you and me. It's just not binding in that same way as it was for the Hebrew people because we're not under the law, we're under grace because of Christ. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the law is done away with because Jesus says, you know, famously, it's like not one jot or tittle or dot or iota or whatever translation you read. The law is not going anywhere until it's all fulfilled right. and it's not going to be completely fulfilled until, you know, eschaton. So, uh, which means in times or last things, however you want to say it. Essentially to summarize the entire, I believe the entire old Testament law is appropriate. You just have to do some work to determine what the, the wisdom is behind the law and then apply those principles to your life instead of just lifting the law out of its context and applying it in a legalistic manner to your life. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think the New Testament also gives a lot of uh, morality and is pretty, uh, it, it paints a very clear picture of, of ethics and morality and um, is very synergistic in most places with the Old Testament law. And in places that it's not, it's pretty explicitly talked about. You know, for example, um, circumcision is not something that Christians are required to do at right. all under the law. The Israelites were required to do that. That was right. like a huge, huge, huge deal. But, but we know, have new Testament scripture that very explicitly goes into detail about how that is no longer required. Exactly. Yeah. So, but the principle behind circumcision is that, God has called his people to be set apart and different from the cultures around them in a very specific way. Um, and you can apply that to your life. Like you are, you're not Jewish. Maybe you are, but we're not Jewish. Um, so how ought we to distinguish ourselves from the people around us in a meaningful way? And then you think about how you apply that in your sphere, in yeah. your life. Paul says, circumcise your heart. Yeah. Amen. Good Bible. That'll preach. That is like so far off of the track of killing people. But I think it's important because, you know, as Jordan pointed out, there are some places in the New Testament where wholesale the idea from the Old Testament is brought forward. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some places that the Old Testament talks about things and the New Testament just doesn't. Yeah. Um, so you have to do some little, a little bit of theological legwork there. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're going to talk about the New Testament, um, I think the New Testament also portrays killing being 
acceptable in certain scenarios. You know, I brought up the the Revelation verse, and that is uh, not it, that it, that's like a pretty uh, emphatic commandment uh, when John is writing Revelation. He's not saying that like, oh, you've said it, heard that those who live by the sword should die by the sword. He is saying like those he's giving instruction to the churches of the time and he's like you need to make sure that those who live by the sword die by the sword so he's giving a pretty emphatic command that like governments and authorities of the time not only have the authority to put people to death in certain scenarios but that they need to in certain scenarios so that has pretty in my mind i guess i don't know if you disagree to me, that's pretty clearly carried forward. Um, I would, I would want to be careful personally with with saying that he's commanding the churches to make sure that if you if people live by the sword, they also die by the sword, because I don't think that he's telling the churches to take the law into their own hands. Yeah. I'll read I'll read that full verse in context. So um he is talking about uh in chapter 13 of Revelation this is the beast out of the sea portion and um right after he is talking uh about the beast from the sea he uh starts referring to Christians and verse 9 says whoever has ears let them hear if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Um, and then he goes back into talking about the beast from the earth. So I could be wrong. It could, you know, biblical interpretation is hard. To me, it seems that uh, he is talking about governments and authorities during that time. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem like this unique ability to put people to death has been taken away uh, at any point. So, but good call out. I'm not calling you out. I'm just explaining what I think. I wish you would. I wish you would call me Do out. Do you want me more. to look in the, you in the eyes and say, Jordan? Say you've done a bad job. You're full of crap. Yeah. Well, I don't think you've done a bad job. I think you've done a very good job. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so we should sort of pivot this a little bit. Um, I think it's pretty clear what we think scripture is trying to communicate at this point. Um, I'm not suggesting that you go out there and, you know, kill people <laughs> who are murderers. Um, but I am suggesting that, um, there's an, a precedent in scripture for, um, if you take a life, your life is owed. Um, and God has put, you know, authorities in place specifically for uh mediating out punishment and mm -hmm. you know putting laws in place to protect people from things like that and to punish people who do wrong um and i would like also to point out that uh that's might be a little bit harsh in our current setting um but we're talking about you know a context where maybe it's a little bit harsh to us as like american christians right you know, it might be in other places, maybe not so much, but this scripture is coming from this context and, you know, revelation and when Paul writes Romans or, or, and Peter, when he talks about honoring the emperor, he's saying that you're supposed to respect these authorities because God's, you know, given the, them this authority, it comes from God. Um, and that's coming from a context where the authorities were not trustworthy. Um, and it wasn't like, always a good thing if you're a christian or a jew or basically not roman mm -hmm. uh to respect or honor the authorities yeah um and in some settings he's saying that to people who are adamantly against you know following and respecting the authorities so you have to recognize that in our context that sounds harsh but in a biblical context you want the wrongdoer to be punished Right. Like you want the evildoer to be punished. And I think that's part of the reason why Jesus's words are so significant is he takes it to the next level of saying, listen, like 
there's really effectively no difference between taking somebody's life and murdering somebody in your heart. Like just because you're not doing these things does not mean you're not guilty of sinning. Like, Mm -hmm. and so Jesus's words are, are super poignant in that, like, it's not just those people like that take lives that are sinful. We have to recognize that we're all sinful, but God also has certain laws that he wants to be followed and commands that he thinks are for our benefit. So mm-hmm. if that's good enough for God, I think it's good enough for me. Wow. What a dark topic. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Uh. <laughs> Sorry. I went off a little bit. No, uh, that's good. Do you want to talk about killing people in self-defense? Yeah. You think that's justified? You think death killing in self-defense do you think that's justifiable i guess the the from here on out i guess we're going to be speaking purely from a christian perspective so not like in society do we think it should be acceptable or like legally or whatever like as as a christian should christians kill in self-defense i don't know enough about thing that they should legality to comment on and politically i don't know the laws <laughs> killing people wrong <laughs> yeah i should say i don't know enough about the nuance of the laws the law to be able to talk about the legality of it mm-hmm. i think um there's a distinction here for me uh in that there's a difference between killing for the defense of others and killing completely in your own defense mm-hmm. so um, and I know we've had, uh, we've talked about this a bit before, um, where I think for me personally, I think that self-defense is, uh, a valid option. Obviously, I don't think that taking a life is ever ideal, but I think there is, um, room for that, uh, ethically if you don't have any other choice to, to take a life in self-defense. I think that, if you are defending other people, you are morally obligated. Like in, in, I don't want to get into like really dark scenarios and like get kicked off of YouTube or whatever. If we start bringing up like scary, scary real world stuff. I feel like stuff. This, this episode is already getting kicked off of YouTube. <laughs> if you are, if that's true. We've said <laughs> killing and killing murder and, and death and murder. And um, if I you even are... said the Hebrew words for it. <laughs> Is that like a double whammy? So, dude, we could get hit so hard for that. Like, not only did I say death, but I said it in hate speech language. Yeah, I said Israel. it in biblical Hebrew. <laughs> That's um, like extra bad. <laughs> I think uh, if you're in a scenario, if you're walking down the street with your significant other and your children, uh, and somebody comes up to you and you know without a doubt that they're going to shoot you and shoot your kids and it's going to be a bad time all around. Uh, I think you are ethically completely justified in uh, taking that person's life to defend others. Yeah. Obviously, you can get into the nuance of like, oh, well, you don't 100% know that like somebody intends to like take a life or murder or whatever and I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that. I think that's getting too much into the weeds. I'm just saying, I think to defend other people, um, you are justified in taking a life to save a life or lives. I think that's completely fine. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. That's my position. I think talking about uh, Christian belief and Christian theologies and what Christians can do, and this is what we've talked about before, if you are alone and you're walking down the street and somebody's like, I'm, you know, a mugger runs up to you and is like, I'm going to shoot you or whatever. Are <laughs> you? It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> then why are you laughing? Because <laughs> the mugger was like, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> the image in my head was funny. Are, are you justified as a Christian? in taking that person's life to save your own and only your own life that I am not nearly as sure about. Um, 
I don't know if you have anything to to add to any of that, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I agree mostly. I, I think that I'm super unconfident when it comes to like taking somebody else's life to, cause like if you take somebody's life, I mean, and this is the obvious thing from like a Christian perspective of like that, then it's over for them. Mm-hmm. Like there's no chance at repentance anymore. Like their life is over. Um, and you know, I mean, you could argue of course that, like they made the choice that when they were going to do this thing that they were deciding that they they didn't care Mm -hmm. and that's fine if you want to do that i mean it's not fine but i just don't know that i myself personally would value my life because i know the end game for me and i know that that's a super like trite christian like we say stuff like that it's like oh i'm not afraid to die because i know where i'm going um which I'm not saying like, but I know the, I do know the end game for me and I guess I'm just not like confident enough to be like my life is worth just my life is worth taking somebody else's life. Yeah. I just don't, I don't get that. that. This is again, to go back to the new Testament, like over and over you were told a, you're going to be persecuted and life is not going to be all good for you if you're a Christian. Like, you should just expect that. And Jesus specifically talks a lot about not repaying evil for evil and turning the other cheek when people wrong you and not retaliating against people who wrong you. Um, And I think that applies even in scenarios where your life is being threatened I don't see why it wouldn't. Well, if and it I doesn't think, apply to that scenario, then what scenario could it possibly apply to? Yeah, and I think we have church tradition and we have church history where, um, you know, lots, so many Christians were martyred at, you know, in the very beginning of the church and throughout church history, church, uh, Christians are still being martyred today. But um, so such a great number of Christians were martyred at the beginning of the church and they emphatically believed that if someone wished to kill them, that they should pretty much just let it happen. Um, I think it's a little bit of a difficult conversation today. And I feel I feel pretty strongly about that. I think definitely there's a little nuance there if you're like defending yourself from a mugger or whatever. But if you are a Christian who is being persecuted for your faith in any way, shape or form, I don't think you should... Um, retaliate against that at all i just don't see that anywhere in scripture i don't see that anywhere in church history i just don't think there's any precedent for that which is a little bit of a difficult conversation because um and i'm more confident in saying this the majority of western american evangelicals are heavily pro second amendment and pro uh caring for self-defense and Mm so i feel like if you ask the average christian on the street like, are you justified in defending yourself? They would say, oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Which I think is a, a difficult... And I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah, 100% not, those people are wrong. And I think that we should make a distinction between, like, defending yourself and then, like, defending yourself to the point where, like, you're going to kill this person so they don't kill you. Yeah. Because, like, if somebody, like, on the street attacks me, like, I'm probably going to fight back. Right. Because like, I don't, but I'm, am I going to intentionally take that person's life or do my best to take that person's life? I'm not saying like you need to just lie down and like let people beat you up. But like, if somebody comes to you and like mugs you in the parking lot, like, are you going to, like, what is your response to that? Like, are you going to take that person's life in retaliation? Like, yeah. I just don't think that that's necessarily justifiable, especially if it's like not that scenario. And it's like you said, like a scenario when you're being like actively persecuted for like, you're a Christian, you die now kind of thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. And I don't see, I haven't seen that in church history either. Um, The vast majority of history, church history uh, is the opposite is like, people willingly giving laying their lives down for their faith and i understand that that can be like deified a little bit um like you have church documents like we talked about this last week or the week before when we talked about the martyrdom of polycarp where there's almost definitely like some i don't know some a little bit of stuff added to make it seem more theatrical Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
almost. Um, but the bottom line is that historically, like Christians in that scenario, especially the early, early church, like actively didn't resist persecution. Yeah. Which I think is um, not to, not to, I am trying to keep this conversation light. I'm trying to, <laughs> to we're so just not to go on to martyrdom death now. conversation. Um, but I think that Christian, like, I think a lot of Christians nowadays uh, don't think about martyrdom at all. And um, I, I am very strongly convicted that like, if you are a Christian, if you claim Christ as Lord and Savior, um, you need to search your heart and ask yourself, like, would I die for this cause? Mm-hmm. Because if you're a Christian and you claim Christ, I think the answer to that should be yes. Uh, you should be I mean, willing to die. Jesus literally says, like, like what king goes out to battle without first counting the cost with his right. armies? Like, who builds a house without first counting the cost of what the house is? Yeah. And he's talking specifically about, not like being martyred, but specifically about like what is it worth to you to follow me yeah and i we are in a very uh privileged position because i i mean i guess i don't know about you for sure i've never had my life threatened over my faith (laughs) um but it's like i think it's something that you should contemplate and really search yourself and search your heart and and know and try and come up with an answer because i would i would like to think that i would be willing to uh, be martyred for my faith if push came to shove and obviously i don't know that for sure a hundred percent i'm not saying like oh yeah i could do it easy yeah totally it'd be so easy to do it be fine but um yeah i just feel like it's something that christians should contemplate a little bit more because again the the church was built on the blood of martyrs like we would not be here without the fathers of the faith who were who were willing to die um to to defend the faith and to proclaim that witness. So that's my little, my little soapbox spiel. I think that that obviously is very different. And I know that there's somebody who's going to be out there and is like, but Jordan, but Jordan, but Jordan, you said that it was okay to take somebody's life if you were defending other people. Yeah. And I think that that's, that is true. Like for example, if you're, if you have children, your children are not capable of defending themselves in any way. Like you should defend your children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think about like, you know, church defense. Yeah. I don't even know how to say that. (laughs) Without getting (laughs) church security. Yeah. Church security. Church security. Like Mm -hmm. you, if you're in church leadership, you have a duty to protect the people who are in your, yeah, your congregation. I think that that's you as a shepherd need to guard your flock. You need to be a shepherd. (laughs) Uh, And that's, I think that's important. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think it's a difficult conversation, but, um, and I think it's a sacred cow for a lot of people like you were saying, like, especially like the modern evangelical that's like super based on, and I'm, I'm pro second amendment, whatever, Mm -hmm. probably get demonetized for that. (laughs) This this episode's not going to make us any money anyway. So (laughs) there's no potential here for that at all. Uh, I think that, uh, it's a good thing. Um, but I think defense of others is justifiable and I'm not sold at all based off of scripture or, you know, the witness of church history that it's justifiable to just take somebody's life to protect your, just your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's a random question. Hit me. What about being in the military, Jordan? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, and we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess we could go on forever about like the specific when of like what scenarios are you justified, what scenarios are you not justified. Where's like, your what, line? What, and um, a huge thing, a huge conversation in in uh, in our sphere, kind of like our context is, um, you know, uh, Oppenheimer came out not too long ago. I know nothing and, about it. Well, the you do you what know it? about the bombs? <laughs> Are Excuse you, me, what? We bombed Japan, Joe. Did you know about that? I did not bomb Japan. <laughs> did you bomb Japan? America bombed Japan. Okay. So a America lot of the conversation around that historically has been that 
uh, we did this horrible thing. We took a lot of innocent civilian lives, which is absolutely true. And I'm not, I want to be very clear. I am not stating or coming down one side or the other on this. I'm speaking objectively. Dude, you just got to lean into the heel. Objectively. Do the heel. The conversation around that has historically been that, yeah, we took a lot of lives, but we prevented an invasion of mainland Japan, which would have resulted in many, many, many more lives being lost. Um, <laughs> that's such a bad argument. <laughs> well, that, that's the thinking. And um, so, and there are a lot of Christians who disagree with that specifically. I hate to keep dragging uh, Catholics into everything, but Catholics disagree with that. And they would say, you absolutely cannot do a bad thing to justify a possibly worse thing yeah. not being done. Two wrongs don't make a right kind of way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely cannot do that. So there's a lot of nuance to that conversation. And again, I'm not, I, Jordan Mabe, am not coming Dude, down where are on we one going side or the this, other man? with that. But <laughs> just, there's a lot going? of nuance in the conversation with, with killing and with death and what's justified and what's not justified. For military specifically, I would say um, if you join the military, I think Christians can join the military. That's fine. I don't see any issue with that really. You see that in scripture too. Yeah. You see like Roman centurions and guards coming to Christ. Right. I think if you join the military, you have to accept that you might need to take a life on account of you joining the military. Like that is something that might happen and you need to, you need to be aware of that and reconcile that to yourself before you join, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think in times of war, I would say a soldier is justified in taking a life. Um, that kind of, I mean, this is a really large conversation. We couldn't, we can get into the theology of war and like justified versus unjustified wars. And like, it should, you know, if you join the military, should you participate in what you believe to be an unjust war and all that? This is like a way bigger conversation that we just don't have time for. But I would say, um, if you were a soldier, then yes, you are, you are justified in, in the case of battle and fighting with an enemy fighting with somebody you are at war with you're justified in taking a life in that scenario does that answer your question i think so do you want to add anything to that i have nothing do you heavily disagree with me i do not heavily disagree but i think that people treat stuff like that super flippantly yeah um and it's like i i hope my rambling has at least like Jordan's really self-conscious about his rambling. It's just a really difficult conversation. <laughs> like it's not it's black just and white. Hard. It's not easy. <laughs> if you like immediately snap to having a, the perfect answer to these questions, that tells me that you have not actually thought about <laughs> this at I, all. You, I don't like when people treat taking somebody else's life like it's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, and there are branches of Christianity where it's like, oh yeah, totally in a heartbeat. I just do this. Mm -hmm. I was like, you would like, just like that. Like, that'd be easy for you. Like, I'm not okay with treating it flippantly. Mm -hmm. Like, because I mean, we've had our whole soul conversation. It's like, I'm just like taking another person's life. You have to have a justification for that. And you have to point to in scripture why that's something that you chose to do. And you have to understand that you are going to have to answer to God about that. Like whatever justification you come up with, (laughs) you are going to like, you better make sure your justification (laughs) is good enough for God. (laughs) Cause if it's not, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It is a little funny. I mean like, but think about that. Like honestly, you know, we heard this said yesterday, like God is the great, great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has to answer for what they've done in their life. Yeah. Like Christian, non-Christian, like you're going to have some, some bro time with God where he's going to put his arm around you and be like, Hey dude, what were you thinking here? Yeah. And you'll have to explain yourself. And do you think it'll be that nice? <laughs> He'll be like, Hey, why don't you just tell me what you were thinking when you, um, when you killed this man? <laughs> I think sorry that's not funny (laughs) I think that uh in my past I always thought that when we have to answer for things like that it would be like sort of like this public like communal thing but 
like where you like stand before like a throne and God pronounces judgment on you. But the more I've sort of grown in my relationship with God, the more I've sort of come to a place where I think that there's a level of intimacy that you'll have with God where it will be a little bit more personal than just like you standing before a throne room and God pronouncing one, you, you just expositing everything you've ever done with your life. And I think it's, it's going to be a little bit more intimate and I guess less communal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't really have like some solid scriptural backing for that other than that. Like show me that in scripture, Joe, this is my opinion. Yeah. It's an opinion. Yeah, I get that. I, uh, I don't have any opinions on what, judgment will or any of that will look like um i think i just know two things i know that god loves me and i also know that god is just yes so however those two things work out together i think is how that conversation will go i would add to that by saying i know that like christ paid a debt for me yeah um and that was work past present future like and that that's worth something Mm-hmm. and that's important and um i'm still gonna have to answer for the things that i've done but um christ still paid that debt for me Amen. So, yeah that'll preach, that'll preach. it's that's a good, good bible. bible anything else you want to talk about today i got nothing After else death i think that you don't have anything to add to the death I think, conversation i think that that's a wrap on death <laughs> amen We're not talking about death ever again. death was arrested amen. that's what i think Amen. i think christ conquered that's good it. hill song that's not Hillsong. Get out of here. I don't even think they made that. Do you call song. yourself? They didn't. That That's North Point. You're right. Do you do you even you call yourself an evangelical? How dare you? Uh, I don't listen to hip hop. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna say what I was just about to say because I was gonna sound like an absolute hipster, like jerk. Like I don't listen what, to since mainstream when does that ever worship you? music really yes you do every sunday morning you listen to mainstream worship music i don't know if we do a lot of like really main well some of it i guess is pretty mainstream are you talking about at our church yeah we did good good father last week get out Uh, of here (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) yeah i guess in my free time i should specify okay i don't listen to a, a whole lot of mainstream worship music but hey we're gonna land the plane Thanks for listening. I don't to think the we sacred. should. I think we should just keep talking oh forever. This Thanks. is the eight-hour episode. Buckle up, kiddos. We're in it for. I the hope long you like haul. that long-form content. So, what I mean by animals who go to heaven. Thanks for kidding. listening to the Sacred Cow podcast. Uh, if you agree you with Jordan, uh, you, the Sacred Cow will be in heaven. <laughs> that's, Amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's bad. Don't. <laughs> All right. Preach. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll oh, see you guys beloved, next time, beloved listener. Uh, We'll catch you later.